Hello, and welcome to the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This is season three, a season dedicated entirely to stories of how God is faithful through the roughest times in our lives. I truly believe that we can gain in faith and hope through other people's stories and testimonies. So pull up a chair, listen closely, and be encouraged by today's story. It is my pleasure today to introduce Melinda Patrick. She is a fellow podcaster, and she's going to talk to us today about her story. Hello, Melinda. Hey, Lori. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Good. Tell me about um, your daughter, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a daughter with uh, same-sex attraction, and she came out to me in 2011. Okay. How old was she? She was 17. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. She was 17 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did that come out of the left and just surprise you like crazy or was it something you suspected? It came out of the left. I was completely surprised. She had had boyfriends. She didn't run around with anyone in the LGBT. So I was really caught off guard when when this came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she did come out, did she say that she was, did she consider herself bisexual or just lesbian? Like, So what she did, she came to me and just said, I don't remember if either of those words, bisexual or lesbian were used, but she did come and say, mom, I, I have same sex attraction and I have been struggling with it. And then I just went in a spiral. So I I am a Christian woman. I gave my heart to the Lord at age 12, but I didn't fully surrender my life to him until the age of 21, 22 years old. And uh, by this time in my life, I had been teaching women's Bible studies. I had ministry in my home, all of those kind of things. And I just this news just sent me in, in a tailspin. And I ended up pulling myself off of the women's ministry team at church. And I stopped teaching Bible studies. I almost stopped the ministry in my home because the enemy was just pounding my heart and my mind with, if you can't take care of or minister to your daughter, daughter, how can you minister to anyone else? Oh, right. Yeah. He likes to attack us when we're down. Oh yes. Yes. So in, in retrospect, how did you respond to her? And do you think that was a good response or a not so good response? Oh, good question. Good question. If in retrospect, I probably did everything wrong. The only right thing I did was I continued to pray. I knew that God held all the answers, that God was my hope, that he was my strength. But my first words to her were, it's okay. We'll get you to a counselor. We'll get you fixed. We'll be on this journey for about six months and nobody will ever have to know. Right. Well, and I'm assuming that she didn't take that well. (laughs) She did not take that well. And I don't blame her. I don't blame her. My, my first response And my only response in that moment should have been, I love you. I'm I'm still here for you. I want to listen and I want to do what we can to get, not so much get through this, but I want you to know that I'm here for you. And this does not change my love for you. Yes. I think that last part is so important because Uh, especially between children and parents, and especially in that age range, I think it's very easy for our responses to come off as I don't love you if you're not doing what I want you to do. Right. Especially when it's, she was raised in a Christian home, you know, and so it's very easy for that message to be uh, misunderstood as because you're not living the way I want you to, or the way I think you should, then I, I can't be a part of this. Yeah. So how did you go forward after that then? Well, (laughs) that's, um, it was a long journey. Honestly, she ended up moving out. 
I, we were blended. Uh, actually at that time we were not blended. Uh, we, I was a single mom. And so she packed up and moved in, in with her dad. And I will say sometimes that when she came out of the closet, I went in the closet Yeah, and I literally went in my physical closet. And I remember just sitting there night after night, just crying and praying to God, just to show me what to do. Give me the right steps because now not only do I have a daughter struggling with this, but now I have done something to injure our relationship. Right. And her and I were very close. So my prayer became, God, what can I do? You know, how, how can I fix this? While at the same time, the enemy is bombarding me with lies. Like, you know, you're a horrible mom. This is all your fault. Uh, you should have protected your daughter. You're the reason all of this is happening. You know, all of those kind of things. Who are you to be ministering to other people? You just need to shut everything down. This is the end of, you know, the end of your life, your end, end of your ministry. And as I kept pressing into the Lord, uh, he would continue his light to shine in my heart and reveal the lies that the enemies was speaking to my heart. And I eventually reached out to a friend and, uh, well, okay. Honestly, I didn't reach out to her. I, when I went in the closet, I started detaching from, um, friends who were inviting me to coffee time, time with family, all of those things. I really began to just stay at home a lot. And I had, I, um, actually she was the head of the women's ministry team that I was a part of. She reached out to me because I had started pulling away from church and dropped once the Bible studies were over that I was teaching, I was not signing up to teach anymore. And she reached out and she's like, what is going on? Yeah, this is not you. And I remember answering that phone call and I was just bawling. It was still a time in that journey where I was just crying all the time. And I just told her what was going on. And she said, Melinda, there's someone else. There's another mom in our church walking through this. Let me get y'all connected. Yes. And that connection was a lifeline for me. Uh, This woman actually worked in ministry uh, not too far from where I live. And so she was able to get me in touch with the head of that ministry And D that was the lady or is the lady who is the head of that ministry. She had once been in homosexuality. She had a testimony. She lived the whole lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. She had lived the lifestyle. So she had a testimony of being where my daughter was, but now walking in the fullness and the wholeness of, of who Christ created her to be. And so as she began to share her testimony D had called me that night. And as she shared her testimony with me, it was like the, the candle that the enemy tried to snuff out that candle of hope. It was reignited in my heart. And I just remember that night thinking, oh my gosh, okay, I can breathe. This isn't a death sentence for, for my daughter. God is still in the miracle business. And that fight in me for my daughter began to rise. And I I can't tell you how important connection is when you are walking through difficult times in life. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I feel like that is super, super important to say right now. When we feel like we should close the door, shut out all the lights, stay in the darkness and not share it, we're listening to the enemy. And because he has more power when everything is in secrecy and no one else can help us. Yes. Yeah. So that, that started me. That was probably one of the first things I did. I uh, went to Christian counseling, which really helped me as well. And I want to go back to the enemy was telling me, Hey, all of this is your fault. This, you know, you're a bad mom. And what Christian counseling did was it brought truth to where the enemy was speaking lies. But also what happened is uh, God was wanting to use this time in my own life. This this wasn't done to me. God God did not allow that. I mean, God did not cause this to happen to get to me. 
but in everything in our life, God wants to use it. God will use it to draw us to him. I, I think about Job, you know, and when we start off in Job 1, God describes Job as a righteous man. Yeah. You know, he had a good walk, a good relationship with the Lord. And we see Job even early on in chapter one, you know, he's sacrificing, he's praying, he's, he's doing these things even for his children. Uh, but then you, you have Satan enter this whole story and God's like, Hey, Satan, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm just roaming the earth, looking, looking for someone, you know, and, and God suggests, Hey, why not? Why not Job? He's a yeah. righteous man. And, and I, what I love early on in Job is that we see that God didn't cause that right. to happen in Job's life, but God did allow it. Yes. But in that allowing, God still had all control. Yes. He controlled how, uh, how long Job could be um, bothered with Satan. He allowed how um, he put the boundaries on what Satan could do in Job's life. And so God shows himself even in that in full control. And so I look back and, and it's like, no, God, God did not cause this in my daughter's life. God did not cause this to happen to our family, but God does have something in it for me. Right. And so I need to be intentional to get quiet before the Lord and say, God, what, what do you have? What, what do I need to learn in this? What are some principles that I need to begin walking out? And in everything that we go through in a hard season, of life, God is always wanting to reveal himself to us at a greater level. Yes. And so I needed to know in that time, God, who are you? I, I had walked through divorce. I knew that God was my perfect husband. I knew he was my provider. Um, I knew all of those things from walking through divorce, but now I was walking through some parenting that I had never walked through before. Right. But in that, God was also wanting to take me into a deeper level of intimacy with him. Yeah. And so as I walk through Christian counseling, as I walk through this healing time with the Lord, there are things that, yes, I needed to go back to and apologize to my daughter. But this was not all my fault either. And I think the enemy wants parents to think that, oh, you are just a really messed up parent. And right. You have messed your child up. And where, where we are, where we find that we've gone wrong, I believe that we need to go back and we need to apologize. There are things that I had said to my daughter, just like I was sharing when she first came out to me, you know, that was not the right response. That was a major parent fail right there. Yeah. And I needed to take responsibility for that as the Holy Spirit brought conviction to my heart. Amen. And so I needed to go back to her and say, listen, when you were bearing your heart with me, I know that took a lot of courage for you to come and talk to me. Yeah. And, and I just brushed past that and I just wanted to get you to healing. And I need to apologize for not being a, a listening place, not being a safe place for you, for not affirming my love to you and letting you know that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I am here. Yes. I am not going to leave your side. We may agree to disagree, but it does not change the fact that you are my daughter. God entrusted you to me. Amen. And I'm going to do everything I can to um, maintain a healthy relationship with you and, and be there for you. It doesn't mean I compromise my values and beliefs. Right. There's a fine line there. She needs me to stand for truth. But I also need to do it in a way that lets her know that I am fighting for her, that I love her, that I, um, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I'm glad you brought up the fact that we sometimes do need to apologize because even if it's, it's a lie that we as a whole are failures and we can't do anything right and we're the problem, that as a whole is a lie, but we still make mistakes within a lot of the things in our lives. And being willing to apologize is part of having a heart after God because we do make mistakes. And when we own up to that, I think especially to our kids, we teach them what 
a godly heart can look like. And we show them that we really love them. Mm -hmm. That was a big turning point in our relationship. Yeah. When I came to her and said, listen, I I am sorry for these things. And I want to take ownership. I want to take responsibility for where I, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And that began the turning point of our relationship to where, to where we are today. And she's still in the lifestyle, but we love each other. We enjoy each other. We just spent the whole weekend together and she respects me. I respect her. And I I think back at Psalm 139, you know, and oftentimes we think about that scripture as something about us, you know, oh, God knew me, God formed me, he knew all my days. But yet as a mom walking through this, God took me to that scripture to see her. Yes. He knew the mom she was going to need. Yeah. And, And he knew the daughter I was going to need. Yes. You know, her walking through this has also brought a great refinement to my own heart. God revealed areas in my heart where I was judgmental. God revealed areas in my heart where I was finding my identity in my child and not in Christ. God, uh, you know, used this to reveal the cracks in my foundation with him, the the false beliefs that I had. And and so God has done a great refining in my own heart. Right, Right now, she has her story and I have mine. Yes. And I'm not responsible for making her believe or see certain things, but I am responsible for my heart and how I respond to Christ through this. And, um, and that's when I think about that Psalm 139, it's like, you know what? God knew also the daughter that I was going to need. He knew the things in my life that were going to draw me closer to him and to cause me to make Um, caused me to look more like him. And you know what, for a season, this is where we are. I'm still believing. I'm still praying. I'm still trusting and uh, living this out in faith that, that God is going to draw her to himself. But until then I, I can't be responsible for her, but I am responsible for me. So how am I going to walk this out as a parent and allow God to use this to make me look more like him? Yes, that's beautiful. Uh, do you remember how long it took you after she told you to apologize for you to apologize to her? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not something that happens overnight. It's My healing and, you know, I'm still walking through. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we will ever be 100% fully healed until we see Jesus face to face. There's Great. always going to be something in my life right now that God is is going to be refining or, you know, pruning, shaving off all of those things or, or softening, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes my heart needs to be softened, but I would say it was probably a good, I would say a good year into yeah. maybe, maybe closer to two, because, you know, I went into this kicking and stream, screaming, Lori. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I look back at my prayers and my prayers were why God why her? Mm-hmm. Why me? Why now? It was her senior year of high school. Yeah. And, you know, as a mom, you have all these dreams for your daughter in high school and then going into college, you know, all of these things. And, and I just felt like my whole world had shattered. But as I look back over my prayers, my prayers were all about me. Yeah. You know, how it makes me look oh my gosh, now I can't do ministry anymore. You know, all of these things, it was all about me. It was all self-focused and God had to move me to a point to where I was completely out of the picture. Now it is God, what is best for you? What glorifies you most in this moment? How can I be the mom that my daughter needs? What are the things that I need to do to die to self and allow you to show up? Amen. And so it was, it was a while it was, he had to do, he had to do a great healing work in my heart. That's a big perspective shift though, isn't it? Oh yes. And it's freeing. It's so freeing. And it's like, wait a minute, this is not about me, Hmm? but it is something that God wants to use to be glorified through. 
That's right. And so how can I surrender to this in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I heard recently. Somebody said, um, when we're asking God why, what we should try to shift it to, because it's hard when you're in the middle, you know, you're going through everything and all you see is the struggle and the frustration and you just want to know why God's doing it. Um, but what we should try to do is ask, how can I walk through this with you, God? Yes. Because it's not so much about us. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we're going through it, but God is with us through it. And he is working it for a purpose. And I know a lot of people uh, use the, use it a little more tritely when they're trying to comfort you and they say, oh, God does everything for a reason. I know that can sound really trite and just frustrating. And it's like, well, I don't want to know the reason I want it to be over, (laughs) but just being willing to submit to God's sovereignty and realizing that he, he's good. And again, he didn't cause it, but he is allowing it for a reason. Mm -hmm. Trying to set our hearts on that, I think is a really important thing. Yes. So you said, let's back up just a little bit. You said that she had moved in with her dad. Uh, Was he condoning of the lifestyle? I'm assuming, or at least. I I don't know know if he would. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he was so much condoning it, but he was also not setting the boundaries that I was setting. And at, and at that time he might have been a safer place for her. Right. That's a hard thing to admit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is it, is that still hard now? I'm assuming to say that. (laughs) I think what is hard isn't so much that she went to her dad's, but what is hard is that I became an unsafe place for her. Right. And that is something that I never wanted, you know, for, for her. I, I, I want to be the person when the world is everything but kind, I want to be the safe place. Right. Yeah. And I feel like all of our parents' hearts have that desire, but we don't always make those responses. Do we? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And, and I too, I think we need to clarify because sometimes being the safe place it doesn't mean, and I, I said that a moment ago, it doesn't mean that I have to compromise my values and beliefs to be the safe place either. Right. She has a choice to allow me to be that safe place, even if, you know, if she doesn't like my values and beliefs. Um, she has a choice to either go or stay. But in that situation, my behavior was was not Right. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't about values and beliefs and my conviction and the truth in that moment. It was about my judgmental heart and my, my attitude and my lack of ability to show concern and listen to her when she was in a very vulnerable place and had come to me to share a heart issue with her. Yeah. Right. Um, What about, what would you say right now to someone who is feeling like if they allow their, allow their child to continue in this lifestyle, then it's them condoning it. What would you say to that person? There comes a time in parenting and it's usually around 12, 13 years old. Of course, they're still living in your home. um, I'm assuming at that time, but definitely by the age of 17 or 18, that our parenting shifts, you know, our children are old enough now to take responsibility for their actions. And I, I have to go back to, to God's word in that. I cannot convict her of sin. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's right. I cannot cause her to come to Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But what I can do, I can love her I can be someone in her life who reveals Christ to her. I can nurture her. 
I can offer guidance at that age. You know, you're more like a, a, uh, well, I don't even know if you're like a, a guardrail at that age anymore, but you know, I, I can't make her choose the right thing. Right. And so I would say to the parent that is saying, well, if I still allow them, still allow you know, my child to come around or to live under my roof or, or whatever, then I'm condoning it. I don't, I don't think that that's really condoning it. Um, I think there need to be healthy boundaries set. I think there should be a conversation, a prayed over before you have the conversation conversation. Yes. Uh, because the Holy Spirit, this is what I often tell parents when I speak with them. Every child is different. If you have four children, you're going to need to discipline each child in a different way. One way to discipline is never going to work for all four children. You're going to have some children that they're going to need time out. You're going to have some child, one child that all you have to do is baby that was wrong and their heart is already going to be soft and tender and they're going to apologize and they're going to know what they did then you're going to have some where you're like, okay, I don't know what else to do. I don't want defects to come, but they're strong willed. And so you need to know your child. And the best way to know your child is to ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to reveal that to you. And so in these situations, my daughter and I have come to a point where we agree to disagree. We've had hard conversations, but we also know that we need each other. Yeah. God, God gifted us with each other. I, I love her. I love spending time with her. She makes me smile. We enjoy doing things together and she's important to me. Yes. And if I don't have a relationship with her, then I have no right to speak into her life. Right. So that, that relationship is very important And she respects the boundaries that my husband and I have set. We've set healthy boundaries. And the reason is because we want to maintain that healthy relationship. It's not because um, I need you to stay at arm's length and, and our boundaries don't make her stay at arm's length, but we, I think we often look at boundaries as walls, right? And boundaries are not walls. With a wall, I can't see you. I can't reach out and touch you. Uh, I can't hear you that good. You, we have to really be hollering or leaning, pressing into that wall to hear what's going on on the other side. Boundaries are more like a fence and kind of like a chain link fence. You know, I can see you, I can put my hand through, I can touch you, but also with that fence, there is a gate. Yes. I can let the good things in and I can keep the bad things out. There are some really amazing, good things that my daughter has to offer me. Yeah. And there are some good things that I have to offer her. And if I build that wall, then I'm not, not only am I keeping out the bad, I'm keeping out the good. Yes. And so with this fence, it's like, look, I I want a relationship with you. And these are the healthy things that we need to keep in so that we can maintain a healthy relationship. But then these are the things that we're not going to allow. Um, You know, if we go on a trip and and we're at the point, we've been on this journey for 11 years now, and it's it's a whole other podcast, a whole (laughs) other podcast about coming to the point where you are able to meet their partner um, have a relationship with their partner, those kind of things. That, that, that was a whole other healing journey. Yeah. But we are in our relationship. We're at the point where, um, we we've had the long discussions, we've had the talks and one of our boundaries is we ask for no public display of affection. And we also ask that if we go out of town or if, um, they come here, they're, they don't stay in the same room together. Right. And so we've set those healthy boundaries, but they have respected them. Yeah. And I think that's very important in a relationship. And I I think to get back to your question, 
I've said a lot after that, but (laughs) I think to get back to your question is having a relationship with your child does not mean that you condone what is going on. Right. Um, If that's the case, then even at the age of two, three years old, your child is going to do something that you're not quite happy with. I mean, we have grandchildren. One of them is four years old now, but he started, he, he learned, he, we didn't teach him. They just know, but he, we started finding that he would lie about little things, you know, at the age of three, three and a half. And we're like, how did he, why did he do that? And how did he know to tell a story? But it doesn't mean in that moment, I don't just say, Hey, I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore because you're a liar. Right. If anything else, I need to pull him in tighter during that time and say, look, this isn't how we live. This, this isn't the right way to go about things. And so we set the boundary and then where we can, we pull them in tighter. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine life without my daughter. Right now, if I, now there are some who, if they set the parents set the boundary and the child does not like the boundary and they choose to not have a relationship, I, I do know where that happens as well. Yeah. And that's when we have to come to realize that we cannot control that child. We can still connect with that child, but it has to be now on our knees through prayer. Right. And allow the Holy Spirit to work and to move and to keep placing that child before the, before the uh, feet of Jesus entering into that throne room with boldness and confidence. Um, But it's very important to have a relationship. And once those boundaries have been set, once you have established what your values and beliefs are, it's, it's important. That's without a relationship. I don't have the right to speak into my daughter's life without a relationship. I am not, um, a vessel through which she can see Christ. Right. Exactly. Oh, that was great. Actually, if you hadn't continued to talk about the boundaries, I was going to ask you about it. So, <laughs> um, along those lines though, clearly, so every, every situation is going to be a little different. Yes. Uh, and probably depending on the child's age, uh, when they do come out and tell you, uh, then that would also make boundaries different. Do you think yes. there's anything that applies across the board as far as boundary setting? Uh, I think across the board, I never think it's okay for parents to compromise their values and beliefs. That's right. I believe that every parent needs to stand for truth. They need to go to God's word and they need to know his word because if I'm just standing on things that I think are true, I'm going to, I'm going to wobble. I am not going to stand confidently, but if I am going to God's word and I see, and I, I hear the Holy spirit and I know his conviction upon my heart, that's going to give me the boldness and the courage to stand for truth. Your child does not need you to compromise. Your child needs to know that you are standing because what that does is it builds trust and we've got to have trust that that has to be the foundational piece of our relationship. And so your child needs to know that what you're standing on, you firmly 100% believe in. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. (laughs) You're right. What do you think? Well, so did your daughter ever push that envelope at all? Did she try to push back at the boundaries after you set them? Or did she just go along with it. I know every, every child's going to be different with that one as well. You know, every child is going to see how much they can, they can push. They want to know where that line is. I believe every child wants to know where that boundary line is and how firm you're going to hold to that. I believe also because we had the hard conversations and those conversations were bathed in, in prayer that this, this has worked well, well for us, but I also know of other parents where they have set the boundary line and that child has chosen to not respect the boundary line, right? Um, to kick against it or to 
also say, because you've set this boundary line, then I'm not going to have any relationship with you. Right. Every child, every child is different and every child reacts differently to, to boundaries. And especially if boundaries have never been set in place in the household in the first place. Yes. So they need to be set through prayer, through guidance of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to say this about boundaries. If you set a boundary, you must do what you say you're going to do. Yes. It's almost better to not set a boundary if you're not going to hold it. Because what happens is when you set that boundary, if you then don't hold it when the child kicks against it, then you've lost, you, you've lost ground there. You've right. lost trust in that relationship. So before every boundary that you set, or if you set just one or two boundaries, what, whatever you decide in your, in your household, you need to bathe it in prayer. You need to also determine what the consequence is. The time to determine the consequence isn't when the boundary has been broken, right? You need to determine the, the uh, consequence at the beginning when you also set the boundary. If this happens, then this will happen. So make the uh, consequence as clear as the boundary. Correct. So an example could be, uh, we ask that you respect what us when you are with us that there be no public display of, of affection. And if this boundary is not held, then we will have to limit our time with you or we will only you know, be able to spend time with you without, without your partner, what, whatever consequence you want to put there. But again, when you set that boundary, you have to hold to it. Yeah. You don't want to lose ground. You don't want to break down any more trust in the relationship. And your child needs to know that you are going to be strong and you're going to hold the line. Your child needs you to hold the line. Yes. Your child needs to hold, hold needs to know you're holding the line. I, I remember early on in this with my daughter and one day I was sitting down and, and I was just praying, talking with the Lord about this. And I, I would, I'm thinking it was a time where I was needing to set a boundary or boundaries were coming up. I'm not sure, but I remember the Holy Spirit just kind of planting this in my heart. Melinda, do you want her to come back to you when she knows the truth and ask you why you didn't stand for truth? Oh, wow. That, that is one thing that I never want my daughter to come back and ask. Yeah. Mom, why did you not stand for truth? Right. My daughter's eternal needs should be greater to me than her temporal needs. Yes. And we need to also think about that as parents, because when we start to cross that boundary or allow that boundary to go soft and the child cross, or let me, let me repeat that. When we begin to let that boundary go soft and we we find ourselves compromising our values and beliefs, what's happening in that moment is we are living more with a temporal mindset than an eternal mindset. Yes. We're more worried about our temporal needs, um, the disconnect in the relationship, the pain in my heart that I'm feeling, maybe some events that I'm missing out on. Um, we're worried more about the now than we are about the, the later. And so one of the greatest prayers I always pray for myself is, Lord, give me an eternal mindset. Yes. Because when I'm living for eternity, when I am, I am thinking more about the eternal needs of my daughter, it gives me strength to say no to the temporal. Yeah. And that's what your child needs right now is yeah. to know that, Hey, you know what? My, my mom, my dad is not happy with this right now and they're holding the line, but that also means that they're going to hold the line for other things too. And I can trust them. Right. I can know that they're always going to be standing for truth. That means I can go to them and they're, they're always fighting for truth. Yes. That's a perfect lead. in. I think to my next question, uh, what would you say to the parent who is so terrified of losing their child that they don't know how to make a boundary? 
right now I would say, keep, keep taking that child to the Lord. Yeah. And you need to be in the word. I, I, I'm not trying to give a Sunday school answer, but it's so true. Our strength comes from knowing God, knowing the character of God. And I need to be going to God's word, not seeing what God's word says about me or about the situation. I need to be going to God's word to learn who God is. And I've got to spend time in in his word. I, in January, I started reading Psalm 18. It's June. I'm still in Psalm 18, (laughs) but it's so rich. And I have read it. I I wouldn't say I've read it every single day. There might be a couple of days where I don't read it, but I'm actually trying to memorize Psalm 18 this year. And I think it's like 50, 51 verses so I'm doing one verse a week, but then yeah. I'll read through the whole chapter. Yeah. But I love Psalm 18. I'm, I mean, I, as much as I've been into it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, this needs to be a movie. It <laughs> needs to be a movie. It's amazing yeah. the things that you pick up on when you slow down in God's word. Yes. And so we, we come to the opening of Psalm 18 and it's David and, you know, he's crying out to the Lord and, and he's just saying who God is. I love you, O Lord, my strength. You are my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, you know, the, the shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I cried to you and you heard me. My mm-hmm. voice came before you and entered into your ears in your temple. And, and it's so you see David, he's recognizing who God is. He's calling out the attributes of God. And he knows these attributes because he has walked through this with God. God, He he has seen God as his deliverer, as his protector, all of these things. But then David now, it says that the cords of death tangled around me. The snares of um, torrent overwhelmed me. And and you see him now in, in just this mud and this mire and this this whirlwind going on around him, but then he cries out to God and God hears him. Yes. Amen. And then God mounts his cherubim and comes down and rescues him. And then we see that he takes David, he pulls him out. He brings him out into a spacious place because he delights in him. But then not only does God rescue him, but now he begins to train him. Yes. You know, he says that he, he made my feet like the hind feet. I can climb the heights. I can um, bend a bow of bronze, you know, with my arm, my war, my fingers have been trained for battle. Mm-hmm. And it's that spending time with God. It's knowing, okay, God, you are my refuge. You have been here in the past. So you are going to keep me strong here, regardless of what is going on with my child, even though we feel separated right now. God, you are pursuing my child. Yes. You are wanting to bring my child out of this. This does not align with your word. And I know according to your word, you, you wish that none perish. And father, you're going to train me how to fight this battle for my child. You, you entrusted this situation to me. And I think we get so caught up in the fact of why was this done to me? Why my child? Why my family? And I think we need to turn the question around. Why not me? Right. Why not me? And we need to quit being the victim, playing the victim in it and start playing the warrior. That's right. We need to get angry. We, I, I found myself early on with this story, angry at God. Yes. But now my anger is towards the enemy. You have my daughter captured. You are feeding my daughter lies. Right. And I am going to get in the word. I may not, and, and this is not true of my situation, but I do know it's true of many parents' situations. I may not be able to have a connection or a relationship with my child right now, but that does not stop me going to my knees and being able to love on and minister to and fight for and pray and cover and speak scripture over my child on my knees. They can run, they can run from me, but they cannot run from my prayers. That's right. Yeah. And so I think we need to have that whole, that we need to have that mindset shift. Like we were talking about, we need to go move from the eternal to the temporal to the eternal. And we need to move from being the victim to being the warrior. 
Yes. Amen. God knew the parent that your child needed. And now he is calling you to rise up, to find your strength in him, to not just take God's word for what everybody says it is, but you need to learn how to read and study God's word for your own. Amen. Because that is where your strength and your boldness and your courage are going to come from. That's right. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So uh, tell us how you saw God through this whole thing, through the last 11 years then. How has he been faithful to you? Oh, my goodness. Well, one, he's been faithful personally uh, to me. You know, he, he saw me there in that closet, just wanting to throw everything away to, to stop ministry. He saw me finding my identity and my child. He saw me believing the lies of the enemy and he fought for me. Yes. You know, the enemy may have led me to the closet, but God met me there. That's right. And he allowed his light to shine. He brought community that would speak truth to my heart. Um, And then in his faithfulness with my daughter, I cannot imagine, you know, as still not having that relationship. She, she adds so much to my life. Yeah. Her joy and her laughter. And he has been so faithful to allow me to see the good things in spite of what the enemy wants to continually put in my face. That's and right. so he's been faithful in that. He's been faithful to answer my prayers when it comes to that. He's been faithful to um, t- take my confessions and my repentance, you know, and offer forgiveness for them and, and cover that and to take that time that all my mistakes that I made and he has turned that around. But then, um, He's also been faithful to take the ashes of this and use it to strengthen other parents. Um, You know, this is not done to me, but God has something for me in this. And he has given me the amazing opportunity to reveal Christ to my daughter and to come alongside other parents and boldly lock arms with them in courage and say, no, we are going to hold the line for our kids. You know, we're going to, we're going to take back, we're going to reclaim hope. Hope was not diminished, right? That's a lie of the enemy, right? Our God is still a miracle working God. And we are going to fight for truth. We're going to hold the line for hope and we're going to hold the line in faith uh, for our children. And it's been such a joy and an honor to come alongside other parents, whether they're first in that crisis where I was and They're just trying to uh, figure out what's going on is that hurricane, you know, the dust is all around them, but then also walk with them as they become stronger and they become, you know, the ones who are fighting for their child and and them walking alongside other parents and God is faithful. And, you know, that scripture, it says that he makes beauty from ashes, but I think the actual worded word of the scripture is he, he makes beauty, um, for ashes. I had to, I couldn't keep holding on to the ashes and right. expect him to make something beautiful. I had to give him the ashes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that means saying, okay, God, this might've happened to me. This might have been going on in my family. Um, but I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to trust, I'm going to surrender and I'm going to trust that, you know, exactly how this needs to work. Um, you know, the timeline, you know, the things I need to learn, you know, the things that other people around me need to experience in this also. And so I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to dust my hands, give you all the ashes, and I'm going to watch you work. Mm, That's wonderful. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience? God is fighting with you and God is fighting for you. If you are a parent or a spouse, this, this happens in marriages. Also, God has not abandoned you. He has not taken his hands off the situation. And instead of looking at this as an inconvenience, God is sending this as an invitation. God, God wants to invite you in to know him at a deeper level. He wants to take that level of trust and faith that you have with him at a deeper level And at the same time, he is right here with you. 
I encourage you to go back to Psalm 18. And I don't want you to read it through, but I want you to read it through multiple times and just follow the timeline in Psalm 18. David knew God as his refuge, as his strength, as his stronghold, because he had walked with God. And as you walk with God, God is going to reveal those things to you and he's going to hear you. He's going to rescue you. He's going to train you. And I love at the Psalm, at the end of Psalm 18, David is now crushing his enemies. Yes. He, he, he is walking on them because God trained him. God rescued him. And what you're going through, this is not the end. This is not the end of your life. God is not done. And God has something for you in this. Amen. That is beautiful. All right. Well, we will wrap up for today. Can you tell my audience where to find you? Sure. I am over on Instagram at Melinda H. Patrick. I have a podcast uh, titled The Even Wild Podcast. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Melinda Patrick. And then I have a website, melindapatrick.org. And then I'm also part of a ministry, His Wonderful Works. You can go to that website also, hiswonderfulworks.org. And you can find a lot of resources there if you are a parent or a spouse or have a friend uh, who is walking through or struggling, or maybe you're listening and you struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, There is hope. There is healing. God is still in the miracle business. And you can find a lot of resources and encouragement and truth and hope overall at the uh, hiswonderfulworks.com website. Wonderful. Thank you so, so very much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome, Lori. It's been an honor. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Voice for the Hurting. You can find information on today's guest in the description below, plus links to follow A Voice for the Hurting on Facebook and Instagram. Join us next week for more inspiring stories to strengthen you on your journey. If you are a Christian who has been through a divorce, stay tuned for our next season, Christians Healing After Divorce, starting in January of 2023.